Welcome to People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose is a podcast of inspiring people whose stories help you see things differently, live with intentionality, elevate the way you participate in the world, and take the necessary leaps in your life to seek and find your passions. Come with us and develop the courage to wholeheartedly pursue your purpose and unleash your truest potential. Everything we have going on in our lives is connected to to everything else. So the idea that you might have a good relationship at home and a bad relationship at work, when you walk in the door from work, it's not like the work relationship or the work issue isn't sitting with you. So the first thing I say to people is you have to value yourself enough to just even for a second, just pause and be like, I'm hurting right now. You know, it's like I talk about the last cookie problem is like, if we each want the last cookie, we can't both have it. Because like, if you're not giving a real you, do you think you're going to get the real them? Today is not the day to act as if tomorrow's already happening. Brian Falchuk is a best-selling author, speaker, and life coach. He has faced major adversities and learned how to overcome and achieve from them. From obesity to running marathons, from career struggles to success as a C-level executive, from watching illness threaten his family to finding lasting health, Brian has been through many lessons, and he's used these to develop his unique approach to inspiring others to succeed. Brian Falchuk is making a second appearance on the People of Purpose podcast. In the first appearance, Brian spoke about his best-selling first book, Do A Day, which he shared in episode 15. And in that book, he teaches the philosophy he developed to find your true motivation, set meaningful goals, and achieve them by freeing yourself of judgment of the past and fear of the future. Now, his latest book, The 50-75-100 Solutions, Build Better Relationships, helps people see the power they have to make their relationships healthier and happier. Both of his books come directly from his experience facing his own barriers so he can move his life forward. Brian's work has been featured in many top publications like Inc. Magazine, Business Insider, The LA Times, Chicago Tribune, and more. He is a frequent speaker at corporate events, conferences, universities, and has spoken at multiple TEDx events. Brian has also been a featured guest on over 150 podcasts and radio shows and hosts his own weekly show, The Do-A-Day Podcast, which I joined in on on episode 46 and has been since republished on the People of Purpose podcast. Really encourage you to go listen to that episode as well. Getting to talk to Brian on a second occasion was such a special, special episode in my opinion. It was the first time that my wife has ever made any appearance on my podcast, which was awesome. And it's like my fifth or sixth conversation with Brian. He's truly become a friend and I've never actually met him in person, but he's been a guest on the podcast before. I've been a guest on his. The two of us have masterminded through different things about kind of the brand marketing of our, of our podcasts and our shows. Um, we've exchanged some resources and introduced each other to different guests. It's a really wonderful relationship that Brian and I have formed. And in this episode, we got to talk about relationships. And it's, it's probably the first true episode that we've dedicated to the topic of relationships on People of Purpose podcast. And for that, it was really special. Relationships are near and dear to my heart. They are also near and dear to Brian's heart. And the level of depth that we were able to discuss inside this episode was fantastic. 
talking about how everything's interconnected in life and we can't compartmentalize any relationship. We can't separate work from life, from career, from finances to business to relationships. They're all interconnected. And Brian really speaks of the value you have to have in yourself in a relationship to admit when you're hurting and to offer the other person to explore and understand you at a deep level. He really makes an amazing point about this topic of today is not the day to act like tomorrow is already happening. It really speaks to the empowerment we have to not just say these relationships are inevitably going to be toxic or inevitably going to be flawed or even inevitably going to be perfect. We have to be intentional about our relationships and Brian's wisdom and expertise in this topic really shines through on this interview. It was a really special experience for me and I know it'll be a special experience for you. So please, without further ado, go ahead and enjoy this episode with today's Person of Purpose for the second time on People of Purpose podcast, Brian Falchuk. Hello, Brian Falchuk, and welcome back to People of Purpose. Super excited to have you for 2.0. Yeah, it's great to be back on Tanner and reconnect with you. It's been a little while. It's been the longest journey with you, man. I think things are coming like very full circle at the moment. I think you were one of my first ever guests. Uh, yeah. I, I got really eager when I started and I put together like a dozen interviews in my first month or something. And uh, you were my first like person. I didn't have any idea who you were. Like someone <laughs> from your team reached out to me. and I was like, yes, this is awesome. He gives TED Talks. He writes books. Your topics are perfect. Let's do it. And yeah. Just to remind the audience for a second, like we we started our own relationship through your your do a day book, and you were at that point had just published your first ever book, given your first TED talk, and you were doing this like crazy series of podcast interviews where I think you were on like eighty some. How many was it? It was a yeah, lot it's of like podcasts. double that now. Yeah, yeah. It's like one hundred and sixty something at this point. I'm honored to be with a veteran podcast guest, 100 plus um, appearances on podcasts. So that's pretty epic, man. Yeah. I think it was like number seven, episode seven for you, something like that. Yeah. And I'm happy you still remember me. You meet all these other high level people, you know, and it's been really cool. And then there's this whole other layer of you interviewed me for your yes. podcast and then allowed me to republish that on my podcast. So it just like really deepen my audience's understanding of my purpose through your wonderful questions. I think I got to tell my Yosemite story, which yeah, I don't share crazy. like too often, but yeah, you really like entered into my head space and heart space. And like, it's good to call you a good friend, even though I've never met you in person. I just really respect you and like, like to spend time with you. So thanks for coming back on. Yeah. Yeah. My wife's giving me a hard time for referring to all my podcasting friends as friends. And she's like, you've never met them. I was like, yeah, but like, I feel like I know more about that person's inner purpose and, you know, like their whole life story. And then actually a lot of people I would normally call friends that no one would make fun of me for using that word for, you know, like we, <laughs> I think we just clicked off the bat, but yeah, we dug into each other's stories and like what makes us tick today in a way that actually, I think a lot of us don't do with the people around us, you know, it's, it's interesting. I agree. I, I love podcasting and I'm about to launch my first ever like course on this. Um, I'm going to call it podcast of purpose because there's just so much expression that comes through on a podcast. There's so much connection with someone else. It's, it's long form. You're actually going deep with someone you're entering um, into like 
their experience of reality and you're asking all these questions around it. You're you're digging into your curiosities. I think last time I asked you some question that you'd never even considered and you yeah. really appreciated the way that like that started a whole new chain of thought for you. Yeah. There's just a lot that happens in a podcast interview that it just feels so meaningful and purposeful to share this environment, even for just an hour online. Yeah, completely. I totally agree. Yeah. So I guess we could segue like our own relationship into talking about relationships. Yeah. Nicely done. <laughs> <laughs> you just wrote a book, uh, 50, 75, 100, all about relationships. And you said that your purpose is the exponential impact of creating better relationships. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we've done some things right in our relationship to now be together for maybe the fifth or sixth time online. Um, yeah. And I'm just really, really excited today to be able to hear what you've learned from interviewing people about relationships, doing the research, doing like the deep work yourself. I know you do a lot of mindfulness practice and like, you know, open heart listening and things of this nature. Um, I got to skim through some of your book. I really wanted to read it all, but I'm just in too fast of a growth phase right now with people of purpose to really do that. Um, it's on my uh, early retirement list for sure. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um, you did get married like right around when it was coming out too. So you had a, you had enough like that should be a top priority. So I'm not, I'm not taking any of it personally. I'm glad you didn't put it first. Yeah, I got married. I valued that relationship. I had yeah. 20, I had 18 Americans come over to be a wow. part of my wedding. And then we went to her village in Thailand and we did our honeymoon together as a big group. And I come back here and I like start, you know, buying real estate with my real estate investing business. Now I'm creating podcast stuff. So it's been a wild ride, not to mention the holidays yeah. in general are busy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like relationships are like, for me, what really motivates so much of this is I want to be a better person so I can be better for the people that matter to me. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and that's, I mean, that's that exponential point that you made is like, I'm all for the self-work and that's like the signs behind me with do a day. Like that is about changing yourself for your own sake. And that's super valuable. But as much as you change yourself, if you're not relating to those around you differently, better, you know, giving more to them, getting more back and, and, um, you know, to follow the Buddhist principles, like reducing suffering, um, all around you, you're missing something. And if I can make myself a better relator, I then have an impact and this is where it gets exponential. Like I then have that impact on multiple different people. So I'm not just helping myself, but now I'm like, okay, maybe 10 people's day got better. So add me in and that's 11. So like that's, that got really exciting as I thought about is this book being read by one person, like do a day, one person reads the book, that person's life gets better. Hopefully yeah. with 50, 75, 100, like one person reads that book, maybe 20 people's lives get better, 30, a hundred, whatever the number is. And it, it keeps adding up. It's like, you know, pay it forward mentality. That's incredibly humbling when you start to think about potentially having that kind of impact on just people being happier and more fulfilled in their lives. Yeah. It's such a force multiplier to, you know, invest in your relationship first with yourself and then relationships around you. And just this yeah. whole network effect that happens from that. And then it comes back to you again. So it's like a regenerative effect to it as well. I love it. Tell me about your journey in relationships. Like, I guess that's too broad of a question, but like, how did you use relationships to be able to, um, you know, to come to this understanding? How have relationships taught you what you were yeah. then able to kind of convey in your book? 
Yeah. You know, for me, like, um, I've certainly struggled personally and I've struggled in my relationship with others as you know, most of us do, like we have good relationships and we have, we have tough ones. And what I found is I'd been on this self-improvement kind of journey through do a day. And I was really happy with myself as a person. And I found love for myself that I didn't have before, but I still had difficult relationships around me. And the one that I'm, I'm really open about with a lot of specificity is my relationship with my wife, which, um, you know, the story in do a day ties into her wellness journey or illness journey. She's a chronic illness and was on what we thought was her deathbed in 2011. And on the back of that, um, our relationship really, it really, that experience and how we lived as a result really framed who we were to each other. Um, you know, I did not stand by her the way she wanted and needed me to, because I was going through my own anxiety stuff. You know, I didn't cheat on her. I didn't walk out. It's nothing like that, but I didn't just stand with her the way she wanted and that hurt her. And that, that changed the way she felt about me. And I was like, just doing in our house to keep things going. And so it just set a norm for our relationship. That was not what either of us intended when we got married. Certainly not what either of us wanted as we thought about like, you know, who do I want to grow old with and how do I want that to look? So our relationship was not serving us. And, you know, worse than just kind of being like, eh, there's a lot of negativity and a lot of fighting and headbutting. And at the time I was working in Atlanta, commuting down from Boston every week. So I was only home two days a week. It was a really stressful two days because I still did all the cooking and cleaning and, you know, the kind of logistics of running the house. So it was like two days where I'm already exhausted and I've got all this stuff to do just to keep the house afloat because I'm leaving again at, you know, like I wake up at 2 a.m. Monday morning to get to my flight and I need everything to be okay for them for the next five days. So I'm like, I'm not in a good place. I'm burnt out. It's not leaving any room for us to connect and work through things. And so the, when we do interact, it's generally not a true connection and probably headbutting. And we gotten in this really bad cycle of disagreements um, and it was escalating. And um, I started to see a, uh, like a, a social worker, like a therapist kind of person, a counselor to talk through not how to get better myself, but how to cope with the way she was mistreating me. And, and I think a lot of us actually feel this way, whether we admit it or not. It's not that there's anything wrong with us. It's that the other person is doing these things to us and we just need to figure out like, I need to not get so triggered by it so I don't say that thing I shouldn't have said that then gets mm. her mad at me. Like, you know, I, I needed coping skills. I'm fine. It's like, she's where all the problems are. And true enough, like she was thinking the exact same thing. It's like, well, you know, I've been through my journey. I've done my work. You're this person who's like just an ogre. You're doing this, you're doing that. Like you need to change. It's not me. And I'm thinking the exact same thing. And we find this is pretty common. So most relationships have this 50-50 dynamic to them where it's like me against you, like two sides. That's why like in negotiations, Maybe it's not a fight, but the the outcome is often the average of what the two sides want. You know, you want four, the other one wants six, and you settle on five. It's like, well, five is not what either of you wanted, so why is that better? Mm. Like it's a compromise. You split the baby. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's like, even that term, split the baby, like that's a terrible idea. Who wants to split a baby? You know, like this is this is not a good thing, but this is the way that we go into different kinds of relationships with different levels of dysfunction. 
you know, and, and that's just not working. Um, and it was in talking to this counselor that she, luckily, like she didn't buy my whole, it's not me, it's my wife. And I just need to cope kind of mentality. And so she pushed me on it and introduced me to a number of Buddhist principles and a book that as I dug into it, I've just found myself completely blown away. And almost immediately I, I was, I mean, basically like for lack of a better word, I was enlightened. I saw a path to making things materially different and I couldn't not put it into action. And as I did that, and as I saw the impact, I realized there's something really valuable here that I started using with people I was coaching and it started helping them. And, you know, pretty quickly it was like, this is my next book. I, I don't have a choice but to share this with the world because everybody has relationships that could be better. Doesn't even mean they're bad relationships or tough relationships or, or whatever. It's like any relationship could be better. It could be more supportive, loving, productive, like whatever words you're looking for, even just a little bit more understanding, even if that's only in fleeting moments. And so the truth is we all need that. And it's across context. This isn't just romantic relationships. It's business. It's romantic. It's with your children, with your parents, with your siblings. With I had someone who texted me that um, they, they were reading the book and they're like, I just used it this morning at the gas station. And like, I'm sure that it's not because his wife was filling up her tank across you know, the, the aisle from him. Um, it's like just a random person. You know, like I've used it getting cut off in traffic. I mean, it's, we relate to people every moment of our day. Yeah. And why not have that be better? And so that's where it just like I had to share it out. And, and there's a whole approach and mentality that I put together in the book. That's amazing. I'm just curious, what was that book that that uh, counselor showed you? Yeah, it's um, I'm looking at it. It's on the floor. Um, it's not that it deserves to be. It's called Open Heart, Clear Mind. It's by a Buddhist monk named Tubtin Chodron. It's the most beautiful, um, clear thing I've ever read. I always recommend that first and foremost to anybody. I don't care what kind of book they're asking me for a recommendation about. That's the one I give them because I think it applies universally. It's, it's essentially an introduction to Buddhism. Um, and she has another book called Buddhism for Beginners that I've also read. That's also really good. There's something about the way she went about open heart, clear mind that feels less like a Buddhism 101. We're going to take you to class and walk you through it. It's... Yeah. Uh, it's, it, I, it just spoke to me on my level versus like, okay, class, like, let's learn. Here's the beginning of Buddhism and here's the next step. And um, it was unreal. Just an absolutely right. beautiful, beautiful book. I love it. Hey guys, this is your People of Purpose podcast host, Tanner Badgley. Would you find value in receiving a very short email every other weekend that helps you grow on your path of purpose? The People of Purpose newsletter, or POP for short, is an email where I share with you the most interesting things I recently discovered, have been thinking about, or implementing into my life to help you more purposely pursue your purpose. It will include a short story, some words of wisdom to help you be more purposeful during your day, and an update on how the last guest has inspired me and how that can inspire you too. So take a small step of action right now by sending a quick email to peopleofpurposepodcast at gmail.com letting us know you would like to receive the POP newsletter. Just include People of Purpose newsletter in the subject header and you'll receive the very next one. Here's to becoming People of Purpose.
Speaking of the titles, like how did you decide upon the title of your book? You have these numbers in there. So um, it draws you in for sure. And you're like, what does this mean? What is 50, 75, 100? So that's, this is the hardest part of the whole book is the title. And, and some people are like, I don't want to do math. Um, you know, from a marketing standpoint, the title is not good, but it's very true to the approach. And so I don't, I felt like I don't have a choice. I'm not going to give it some like tongue in cheek joke, kind of like, oh, relationships stink or whatever. Um, 50, 75, 100, it, it is the approach. And um, this, is, this is not the actual book, this is a proof of it. But like this logo, it's two people and they're split into four parts and that's what it's all about. So I'm, I mentioned the 50-50. So that first number speaks to this idea that relationships tend to feel like one half versus the other half. And whether it's two individual people or two groups of people, you know, there's your side and their side. And that's how we tend to look at it. Now, the problem with 50-50 is, you know, aside from splitting the baby, like it is a us against them kind of versus situation. And that's not what relationships should be. And what we end up feeling is very much what I felt with my wife is like, I don't have any control over how she's treating me. There's nothing I can do to stop this. I'm helpless. I have no agency. I like, that's not a good mental place to be when people feel like they don't have control. It tends to lead to insecurity, which then impacts how we behave. Yeah. And like, you know, it's, we see it in extremes in animals is when they feel like they don't have control and they're in danger of what someone or some other being is doing to them. You know, they get violent, they run away. Like, it, it's not a good scene. Um, so 50-50 is where we tend to be and it's not the right place to be. And what I realized in reading the book is actually it's not 50-50. We do have, this is the 75, is we don't just have control over ourselves. We actually have influence over the other person. Yeah, And the four pieces in the picture, each of us is split in half. And so there's really four quarters to relationship, not two halves. And the, the halves within us are half of us is our active choices. Like I chose to wear this shirt, had nothing to do with you. You chose to wear that one and had nothing to do with me. Um, you know, just of our own free will, our actions that we choose to do on a daily basis, regardless of anybody else. The other half of us is our reactions. It's how we're responding to the stimulus we take in in the world. And in a relationship, it's how I'm responding to what you're giving of yourself to me. Mm. Whether that's kindness or yelling at me or attacking or whatever, I'm going to have a response. And this is the part where actually I started to realize I have more agency in the situation than I thought. Because those two halves are existing in the other person and their reactions are in response to you. So while I own my half, I actually have influence over half of them because what I'm giving of myself to them is forming the basis of what they're responding to. Yeah. So I actually have control or influence over three quarters of the relationship, not just half. That's yeah, the that's so true. Yeah, no, I, I heard that in your TED talk. You have this amazing story that maybe you could tell next, but it's so true the way that you influence the relationship from the very get-go you are the impetus for a lot of their reactions and responses and we need to take ownership of that and that's not something to be feared necessarily that's something that's incredibly empowering yeah we can bring forward that smile and change our day we can have come forward with a compliment we can be more inclusive we can lead with 
honesty and vulnerability and like open heartedness and receive that back. Yeah. So yeah, it's about doing that work in yourself first to say, I'm having a bad day. I'm not in a good mood. I just want to like scream and yell and punch the person next to me, but I'm going to hold that in. And I'm, and in fact, I'm going to come forward with like this, you know, open heart. And that's how I'm going to start to have better relationships is by leading with them, not just expecting them to come to you. Yeah. I really like that. Well, it's like in that example you just gave, like you can punch the person next to you. How are they going to react? And even if they react by like getting knocked out and going on the floor so they don't do anything back to you, how are the police going to react? Right. Are you going to blame their body for you getting arrested then? Or are you going to say like, you know, I'm so mad at them. I want to punch them. What if I don't? It doesn't mean you're not going to fight, but it does mean they're not going to punch you back. Or like I use the example of getting cut off in traffic, which I think is a thing that a lot of people have experienced and you get worked up and you yell at the other driver, even though they can't hear you. And a lot of people will try to cut that person off in response. And what are you doing here? Like you're going to get in this tit for tat, like each cutting each other off. You're driving dangerously. You may get in an accident. You don't know what they're like. You don't know if they're then going to just be like, forget it and slam on the brakes and make you rear end them. Like, which you're then at fault for in, from an insurance standpoint, like, you don't know how that's going to play out. So what if you don't try to respond to them in kind? Yeah. What if you step back and you say like, and this is the first thing that I teach in the book is this idea from Buddhism called happiness seeking. What if you recognize when that person got on the highway, they did not get on to find my car and get in front of me. They got on to get where they're going, just like me. And they happen to view me as in their way, or maybe they didn't even view me. They're just like, I got to get in front of every car I can and get there. And so it's like very much about just making a decision that getting one car further up was going to make them happy. Right. And you happen to be that one car. All of a sudden you don't feel as attacked. You know, someone's trying to get where they're going. They're having a terrible day. They bump into you and, you know, shove you aside. That's not good. I'm not condoning that behavior. But do you think when they got up that morning, they're like, where's that, that guy with the blonde hair in the crowd so I can go bump into him to get to the bank faster? What, like what we realize is, maybe it's not actually about us and we feel less attacked. And actually, even if it is about us, you know, what if you're in a relationship that, you know, like with my wife or, you know, something that's more violent, like when my wife woke up this morning of this fight I talk about, she didn't, the first thought out of her head isn't like, Oh, you know what I should do tonight? I should start ripping on Brian for being such a terrible husband. That's yeah. Let me, that, that sounds good. Let's do that after dinner. Yeah, none of that crosses her mind. Right. She gets up and she's feeling something, you know, whether it's past trauma someone's dealing with, whether it's something that happened the day before that is still sitting with them and making them unhappy. They're feeling like if I get back at them, I'm going to feel better. You know, someone who was abused as a child, a lot of times like they become abusive because they don't feel like they have power or control. Yeah. And when they abuse someone else, it's a momentary feeling of power that makes them feel better in that moment. Now, it's not going to make them feel better overall. So they're confused about what their real happiness desire is and how to get there. But that confusion is what's at play. It's not just about being mean to you. There's something inside of them that they're trying to speak to and they just don't know how to do it. And unfortunately, you've gotten in the way of that. And so you get hurt. Yeah. So I'm not condoning any of the behavior, but what I'm trying to do is help people to understand when you see it as it's not actually about you, it's about what they want. And for some reason, they view you as standing in the way or working against it. 
what if you can move out of the way? What if you can actually take their hand and help them get to that happiness? Yeah. You're going to get a totally different version of them. Let's ground this a little bit. I, I know that you have a story that is perfect for grounding this. And what you said, by the way, is rings incredibly true for me in so many relationships. And I think that's another interesting part about relationships is there's so such a wide array of dynamics that we all have in yeah. relationship. We have wives like both of us do. You have children, you have pets, you have you know, family members you like, family members you don't quite get along with, you have yeah. distant people, you have people to the internet like we have. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of different dynamics at play in relationships. So it is really important to, to, to stop t- taking everything personally and say, maybe there is something that's actually going on inside them in that moment that causes them or, or a history of trauma, or what, what be it, you know, that right. causes that sort of reaction. So yeah. yeah, let's ground this. Can you tell the story that you t- told in your TED talk about your coworker? Yeah. Well, and so work is a really interesting one when you talk about the different dynamics of relationships, because often there's a power dynamic that's different. Mm. And I, like some spouses would argue there's a power hierarchy at home too, but like, you know, parent, child, boss, subordinate, even peers, are you both like, are you really peers? Have you been there as long as each other? Like, how are you perceived in the organization? There's different power dynamics at play than just, you know, the person in traffic or your spouse or your sibling or whatever. So I had a peer at work who happened to be my predecessor in my role. So that's an interesting dynamic shift. And she had been there for much, you know, I was relatively new and she had been there for like 10 years or something. So, and she'd worked globally for the company. I was just in the US. So that's a different dynamic. Her network was different. She's brilliant. She's really well-respected and pretty feared. (laughs) Um, She used to be a litigator. And so like, if you go to war with her, if you argue against her, she will win. Whether she's right or not, she will win. Mm. So with that background, there were some issues starting to rear their head in the performance of the business. And the unit I ran is where they would show up first. So I was sort of the canary in the coal mine starting to see some problems. and. what I've come to find out is actually there are some things that she did not ideally that were leading to some of those problems. And she made a decision that rather than talk about it openly and work with her peers to solve it, because she viewed herself as the only one capable of solving it, she was just going to hide it, fix it, and then move on. But the problem is it started to come out and I didn't know I was exposing these things, but I was. So in me talking about what I was seeing and being like, you know, I'm observing this, we need to do this. Effectively, I was outing her mistake before she got a chance to fix it. And she took that as a threat. And so she went into argument mode. And, uh, you know, one Friday evening, like 530 or something, she sends an email to me, our boss, who's the CEO and our CFO. Basically, it's addressed to the CEO, but she CC'd the two of us on it, ripping me apart. All this like bullet list of all the terrible things I've done, how I'm destroying the company, and I'm dead wrong on everything that I'm saying right now, and here's all the data behind why I'm wrong. And she doesn't say it, but it's essentially like, Brian's ruining the company and needs to go. And so it's like Friday evening, you know, like I just flown home from Atlanta. It's like my only two days at home and this is the tone that it's now set with. And I like, I freaked out. Um, I think understandably, like it was really upset. I was enraged because the thing about all of these facts she was spinning out is they were just wrong. Like I looked at them and they, none of it added up. Like that wasn't 
I had access to the data. None of that is what the data was. And what she's saying, I did this, I did that. I'm like, I literally did not do these things. Like she's like, he went off secretly and changed all this stuff. I'm like, there's no conspiracy here. Like none of this happened. Now, luckily the CFO knew all of that and he knew the real data as well. Our numbers jibed and he's the ultimate arbiter of the truth when it comes to the numbers. But like, you know, she sent out all that. She's super well-respected. She's really tough to argue with because she's so good at it. And so I'm scared. And I don't want to get in this tit for tat and like email is the worst way to do that. So what would I do? But in the past, I would have sent a scathing email back and like every bullet I'd have a response and I'd like, they'd be super long and like, here's the data and trying to defend myself. And knowing what I know about her, no doubt she would come back and discredit all of that. And this would all be over email with our CEO, with our boss watching. Not good. It's not a good scene. No. Um, so what I realized is if I really get into this, which is what she was hoping for, because I'll look like a fool. If I really get into this, it's not going to go well. I'm not going to win the argument, whether I'm right or not. I'm not going to win the argument. And I'm going to look really bad in the process because that's what she's trying to do. Um, so I made a decision. I, I was like in the midst of reading the book, in the midst of going through this stuff with my wife, that you know, the, the Buddhist principles that I was learning that became the 50-75-100 solution. And I sent an email back that started with, thank you. And I, and I know like I could picture her on the other end being like, what? Or like reading it with a sarcastic tone, like assuming I'm like, yeah, thanks a lot. No, it was like, thank you. Um, you know, you've, you've listed some really concerning things that obviously have a big impact on the business. Um, and I just, all I did in terms of like trying to discredit or, or argue back, I just said, I have a different view of the data that I'd be happy to go over. But rather than do that now, why don't we all sit down and talk about it? So just immediately like trying to diffuse the situation and take it out of an email back and forth argument, which is the response she was expecting from me, which she was ready to react to. So she's got it all set in her head of what's Brian going to be. And I gave her a different version of me to respond to. So I immediately like changed the, uh, the influence pattern that she was expecting from me to evoke a different response out of her. Like, what's she gonna say back to that? She had nothing to argue with in response. The best she could do is, no, we're not gonna meet. Uh, that's not gonna look too good for her. So that's what I did. I said, I'll find us time. And you know, I'm pretty wound up inside. So like, it took a lot, but I have to say like, within a couple hours actually, like I got back to my weekend, which I was really surprised about. And I didn't mention that in the TED talk. Like I. I would have expected that to sit with me really uneasily until we all sat down in the meeting, which eventually came. And I opened with thanking her for raising these things and for everybody for making the time. Before we dig into it, I just want us all to be clear, what are we hoping to achieve from this? That is like, what is it that we want for the business? Because she's raised some pretty big concerns for our company. And we went around and, and everybody had slightly different ways of saying it, but we all wanted the same outcome. And that immediately put us on equal footing in terms of the happiness we were all seeking. We're all trying to get to the same place in the highway. It's not about like wanting to get in front of the other person. And no one's intention was to get someone else fired. You know, she's not, she didn't say her goal is to get me fired. I didn't say like my goal is to get you fired before you get me fired. Like there was none of that. It's about helping the business. How can you disagree with that? So it helped us align. And it's, you know, I, I gave her the floor with that context. And she went off and she went through all of her bullets and ripped me apart and all that. And I sat there really calmly. 
because I knew like me digging in with her is not actually going to get any of this resolved. And when she finished, like I did the same thing I did in the email. I thanked her. I noted that I have a different view of the data. I did give a brief rundown, like 30 seconds of what was going on in my end, but it wasn't like, you said this, it's actually this. You said I did this, I didn't do that, I did this. It's like, here's the situation that I'm seeing. But then I sort of ignored that. I said, you know, putting all that aside, we're still left with the same problem in the business. We all have the same goal. This is what, I, and, I, and I said that to her, and I was like, this is how I think I might be able to help you with that. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And so what I was trying to do there is like, instead of being the guy who's standing in front of her happiness, like I'm turning my shoulder to show you the way in and I'm extending my hand to help you get there, which none of that's what she expected. And she was kind of dumbfounded. She's like, yeah, actually that, I think that could work. Um, let me think about it and get back to you. So it went from like, this is the meeting where Brian's going to be shown as an idiot and he's going to get fired. Um, like luckily I still got hidden that I was an idiot um, to like, there is a major problem. We need to work on it. Here's some things yeah. that we can and should do. And look, we were never, we used to be friends. We are not friends. I don't enjoy being around her. Um, you know, I didn't, I would never choose to work with her again, but we were able to work together through the rest of her tenure. She ended up leaving a few months later because things did come out and you know what she was hiding. Like there really was no way around that. Um, and I feel bad about that, but had she enlisted help from the start instead of trying to hide it and view us all as too incompetent to solve the problem, Mm. um, it may have played out differently, but we did work together. It was certainly professional. We achieved a lot and she never tried to take me out again. Yeah. You know, I, I am clear about that. Like it doesn't mean everything's perfect and like we're best friends and we go around hugging. Um, that's not necessarily what a better relationship looks like, but it's certainly better than it had been. And I think that's what we hope for is let's move that needle along the journey. Yeah, that's a wonderful story. And it really encapsulates a lot of those principles that you said underlie you know, good relationships and managing conflict. Um, I want to, so what I'm hearing you say is that offering that hand to help them to get to the same goals that you have is, is the solution. It's to be the water, to let that person, you know, flow through to this, to the goal they want out of, you know, your interaction and you to help guide them there as well. I can't, I mean, there's, there's situations where you actually, you shouldn't be there. Mm. And so like, you know, the subtitle of the book is build better relationships and it's, and the the hundred is like make relationships a hundred percent better. It's not quite what it means because if you're an abusive relationship, yeah, I'm not going to say that, you know, by thinking about their happiness and reaching out to that, they're going to stop hitting you and you should stay. I don't think that's necessarily the right answer. If they have, um, you know, substance abuse or there's genuine mental illness, I, I'm not saying like, just apply these principles and everything will be fine. Instead, what better may be is that you leave. Right. But the question is, how do you leave? And what's left behind as a result? You know, that I was talking with someone the other day about the conscious uncoupling concept. And I remember when Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin from Coldplay split up, like that got all this press and they were kind of ridiculed for using the term. But as a child of divorce, I wish my parents, like my parents get along great now. They did not for a very long time. What if they did? Conscious uncoupling, like rather than being in a relationship where you're at each other's throats all the time or there's no love and the kids see that and it's very unstable and then you split up and you put the kids 
in the middle and it's like what if you actually can just get along yeah and co-parent and be cordial and fr- like that's better i'm not saying stay married like maybe you shouldn't stay married it doesn't mean that's the right place to be you may not be right for each other and you may be right for other people but what if you can do that better and you're yeah. not you know like people who then have to take out a restraining order against their ex that's not better Right. So it doesn't mean you stay. It doesn't mean that you continue to get hit, but it means you try to connect with the happiness they're seeking to bring a different understanding for yourself and then see the path. Maybe it is extending a hand. Maybe it's saying, you know, the way I'm going to extend my hand is to not be in this anymore because this is not working. Right. And that's not serving you either. So you, your purpose is around helping people to kind of see see the pathway to see the power that they have to make a relationship healthier and happier. Yeah. So what exactly are you doing in this besides writing a book, which is incredibly purposeful and you know, something I want to do one day, what are you doing to help people to s- find ways to be more empowered in their relationships, to see, you know, a light that, that, that they haven't seen in them or to be able to expand their perspective to see, you know, how important every little relationship and interaction they have actually is in creating a better world. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the book is a piece of it. I've done other writing on it. Um, in my podcast, I've specifically had a few people who are relationship focused to have some of these conversations. Um, it's like with do a day, like do a day is my story. And the do a day podcast is other people's stories of overcoming or what they've been through, because what I've gone through is not going to resonate for everybody. So when I brought people in, to talk about their relationships, including my wife. Like that's the first time we've ever, she's ever shared her story like that. And we've, we talked a little bit about our relationship. Um, and we'll, we'll do that. I think we'll do that again soon, actually. Um, that's so cool. Yeah, it was really neat for us. And we, you know, no planning, no, what, it was an interesting thing. And I think just having to speak into the same mic just helped <laughs> bring us together. Can I leave forward and talk right now? It's your turn to talk. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, man. yeah. Um, so there's there's different ways that I'm trying to share really just inspiration to get people thinking about it. And then also, you know, I do I do speaking on it, like you mentioned the TED Talk. Um, so trying to get that word out as much as I can. There's a couple of book clubs that have picked up the 50-75-100 solution and they have the authors do like a, you know, a mastermind kind of video session with them. So I've done a few of those. I, However I can, I'm just trying to put the ideas out and get people talking about it. Yeah, but I'm not a therapist. So, you know, I'm not I'm not taking like couples therapy sessions or, you know, hosting people for that. That's not what my skill set is. But right. if I can share some points of inspiration that people really sit with, um that's I that's the kind of impact that I seek to have. Yeah, definitely. No, I love that you identify kind of what zone of influence you have over people or what stage you have it too. It's, you're not trying to do everything and help everybody to the same, you know, you're not trying to be like a God or something, I guess is what I'm saying is you found your little niche of influence. You're digging into it. You are becoming one of like the, the wisest people around that you're assembling a network of people that want to mastermind on that with you. Um, and that's just, that's that ripple effect will be there. Yeah. And especially relationships, it's something we all deeply value, whether or not we admit it or not. It's like, unless you're very, very, I don't know, alone kind of person, you really value a relationship. Yeah. And people pay big money to like try to fix their relationships and they'll invest. It, it will destroy their career. It will destroy their 
um, relationship with their friends sometimes if, if things are yeah. wrong with their spouse. You know, there's just so much around healthy relationships that are extremely important. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of curious, like, what, are, what do you see are some of the unforeseen benefits of creating better relationships? And maybe on the other token, what are some of the unforeseen um, things that can go wrong if you don't pay attention to your relationship quality? Yeah, I mean, so you're you're touching on something that ties to the second principle I teach that it's interdependent uh, interdependence, which is that we're all kind of interrelated, right? Like you're not good or bad in and of yourself. That's how I see you in a given moment, you know. And so I give the example like the boss who yells at your best friend at work, and you're like, oh, they're a tyrant, and then they have the exact same treatment towards that person who's been like riding on everybody's coattails and not putting the work in. You're like, Oh good. You know, they, but the boss finally <laughs> saw that they're cheating. It's like the same behavior from your boss that you interpret wildly differently Yeah, because you're, you're putting it through your lens. Well, the reality is everything we have going on in our lives is connected to, to everything else. So the idea that you um, might have a good relationship at home and a bad relationship at work when you walk in the door from work, it's not like the work relationship or the work issue isn't sitting with you. If you're not getting along with your spouse or your parents or whoever, or you've got some turmoil in some part of your life, you cannot believe that it's not impacting other parts of your life. So for me, it is very much a 360 degree holistic kind of way to improve our lives. I don't believe that you can compartmentally make things better in your life. Like it does not work mm. that way. And if you don't believe me, like just pay attention in one day, be mindful in one day about how a tough situation, how do you feel in the next situation? You know, like, oh, it's all good. Well, if you're saying that, like you find people use the term, it's all good while they're crying or like, I'm over it. I'm like, well, why are you crying then? No, I'm over it. I'm like, no, you're not. And that's okay. But like, just recognize that these things affect you. So for me, it is really interconnected. And I think that's incredibly important to see. Mm. So. If you do want to move ahead in whatever part of your life you want to move ahead, it's not going to be easy to do that if you refuse to fix this complete picture of what's around you. Yeah. And I think that's just like, that's a foundational point for all of us. Thank you so much for listening to part one of this interview with Brian Falchuk on the exponential impact of creating better relationships. Be sure to listen to next week's episode as we wrap up our conversation with Brian talking about cultivating self-advocacy, acknowledgement, and awareness, and how these factors play an important role in finding and committing to a deeper relationship.